What is going on, guys? And welcome to episode number one. That's right. Episode number one of the Take a Mulligan podcast. My name is Matt Mulligan, and we're here. We did it. I've teased this for so long now that it is officially here. We are starting my very first podcast, the Take a Mulligan podcast. You will hear that name throughout this entire podcast and many more to come. So get used to that name because you're going to hear it a lot. In, uh, in this first episode, since this is kind of a premiere episode, I'm going to tell you a little bit about who I am. Uh, I'll glaze over some stuff just so you know who I am, where I came from. Uh, but most of it's going to be about why I started the podcast, where is it going, and really what can I offer to you guys in this podcast. So here we go. Episode number one of, you guessed it, the Take a Mulligan podcast coming at you. All right, here we are in the hot seat on a freezing day, hence the winter hat. If you're asking, Matt, what do you look like? What winter hat are you talking about? Well, this is also a video podcast. So um, after you're done listening to this, because don't leave me just yet, head off to YouTube. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram at the Take a Mulligan podcast. This episode will also be available in its full entirety on YouTube, as well as some clips on Facebook and Instagram. So for those of you watching on video, how are you? How's it going? You look great. Hopefully I look great. And uh, here we go. So as I mentioned in the beginning, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about really who I am and why this podcast is called the Take a Mulligan Podcast. What's it all about? Where is it going? The future of it? Is it just you? Is it guests? What kind of guests? I get it. A lot of questions. So here we go. Um, I am from Plymouth and currently recording this in Plymouth in my office for a company that I run. Now, before I talk about that company, I want to tell you a little bit about my initial career path and where I thought my life was going to go, because now it's a pretty stark turn as far as my career path. So I went to school uh, in Boston at Wentworth Institute of Technology to be an architect. I think I've always had a inkling that I was going to be an architect because I've worked on construction crews and roofing crews, and my dad was a builder uh, before going into corporate America. And I think I've just always been fascinated by specifically residential architecture. So in high school, since you know I had more of an idea that I wanted to go to college for it, I decided to get an internship with an architect just to see if what I thought was architecture was truly what architecture was. So at that time I was I was doing roofing, I was working for a retirement home doing dishwashing and food prep and I wanted to have another job to do that related to architecture. So I asked some people locally here in Plymouth, you know, some of them didn't have anything and they were either too busy or too small to give me work, but they recommended me to an architect in Fairhaven, Stephen Kelleher Architects. And I still talk to Steve today. He's a fantastic guy and I owe him a lot um, career-wise to who I became today. So the way that it worked was in the summer, it was, I think it was junior year of high school. Yeah, junior year. I would work every other Wednesday for, it was a full day, was not paid at all. He just reimbursed me um, for gas. So I was balancing three different jobs and this one was a non-paid job, but I wanted the experience. And 
When I first started working for him, it was pretty apparent that what I thought architecture was, at least the process, was not at all really what it was in a good way. I didn't realize how much collaboration was involved in making a project work and how much collaboration was involved with the client. I didn't really know what to expect. I kind of assumed, okay, hey, I want this house to be this many square feet, this style, you know, do your thing. But I quickly found out that that was not the case. It's a very intricate, intertwined relationship between the client and the architect. And one of the very first jobs that he put me on was it was an elderly elderly woman's house uh, on the Cape and she wanted to put in an elevator in her house. So Steve and I went to her house and he introduced me as the intern who was, you know, working and thinking about being an architect. And he explained to me the process to the client because this is the first time meeting with the client and myself being there with him. Uh, the process of how he would redesign the first floor to fit the elevator. Essentially, they wanted to redo the kitchen and living room, have this central elevator here so the woman could take her wheelchair up to the bedrooms on her second floor. And he was explaining to me how he would sister these joints and how he'd rearrange this and move this door and move this and change this and change that. And I was immediately fascinated with, here's the problem right? I can't get to my second floor. The solution is to put an elevator in. The client wanted that. How do I get from A to B? And pretty quickly, I realized that that process was really interesting and fascinating how his brain would work as far as getting from A to B. Now, throughout the whole entire summer, he put me on whether there were real projects or not, I don't really know. Uh, a lot of it might have been, you know, just kind of busy work, but he put me on projects that I was interested in doing because he did other stuff outside of residential architecture. He did, you know, kind of municipal stuff, schools, you know, smaller stuff like that. But he knew that I wanted to do residential. So site visits happened. He had me do some CAD drawings, which in high school I was taking CAD so I could actually draw and offer him something. Um, but I was learning a lot. And I, I think after that one internship, I realized that architecture was something that I wanted to pursue. And I did. Fast forward to after college. Now, in college, in, in Wentworth specifically, architects work very, very diligently and hard on their projects. There's always jokes going around that architects never leave their studio, and it was 100% true. We are always in there doing drawings, designing our projects, building models, you know, you name it. We were always in there working tirelessly. And that lifestyle for me was, I think, a big change from before that. I've always been a hard worker, but I've never really been someone who could work from 6 a.m. to 2 a.m. to do a project. But I feel like I kind of got accustomed to that. And I got accustomed to working in more group settings. And studio, because it's imagine a giant room with a bunch of desks and you know 50, 60 or more students in there working, it was chaotic. And I wasn't used to it, but I immediately got um, I don't know what the word would be. I immediately got interested, I guess, in that lifestyle. It was fun. It was hectic. It was great. It was great bouncing ideas off of people and seeing your projects come alive, um, putting your back up literally against the wall, presenting your ideas to your professors was something that I was uncomfortable with, but I learned to like it. I thoroughly enjoyed the chaotic nature of doing what I was doing in school. Now, Post-graduation, I was in a field or in a job where 
that lifestyle was, I think, a lot more slow. The company was a bit older. They were doing development for um, 55 and older houses, but they were designing, you know, 90 houses um, at, at a shop. So they were doing a ton of houses. I was in charge of all the planning of the stuff, interacting with clients on picking their options. You could actually pick electrical, you could pick, you know, um, window treatments, exterior siding, deck extensions, a lot of different things that I wasn't doing in my field. Um, I was doing in my job and it was great. But I think the whole nine to five cubicle life and the slowed down nature of that job was really getting to me. And I needed an outlet to showcase my creativity and to get back what I missed the most about school, which was that group collaboration and that hectic or hectic nature of trying to get a project done, um, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, honestly. So I worked, you know, nine to five, typical cubicle, cubicle life job. And it was kind of around the first year of graduation, even just before graduation, uh, I started getting into drone photography. And I got into that through my grandfather, actually. He's always been into tech and he ended up getting a drone as a hobby. Fast forward, he had a couple of drones, gave me one to use and I immediately kind of got hooked on it. So to help to alleviate some of the boredom, I guess you would say, uh, working my cubicle life, I had this drone as a hobby and I had it here in Plymouth. You know, I lived here in Plymouth and um, my job was right down the street. So before work, I would fly the drone, capture some images of downtown Plymouth. And uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed it to a point where I started to get some people who wanted to see my work more friends and family. So I started a Instagram Facebook page called Hawk Visuals. And for me, the Hawk was the drone visuals being photography um, at first. And really quickly into posting stuff, I got a lot of feedback on my images and to a point where there was one image that I posted of the Mayflower here in Plymouth that got featured in South Shore Living magazine. And really after that, uh, the snowball just kept going. I had um, a couple of realtors reach out to me to do um, some real estate photography, which was a win-win for me because I was an architect and doing photography. So it was a win-win for me. And just kept doing little teeny odds and ends jobs while I was working a full-time job as an architect. So for me, it was great because I was working, getting a paycheck, you know, a decent paycheck, but I could also alleviate some of that boredom by being creative with this new drone photography thing that I was having on the side. Made a little bit of money, but for me, it was more just, it was really fun to do. And after, I think about two years of doing both of those, it got to a point where Hawk Visuals was now a 40 hour a week side job. I was literally waking up at the crack of dawn, doing a sunrise shoot for a client, going into work, answering work emails, also working on uh, my Hawk Visuals emails. During lunch, I would go do emails. I would meet with clients sometimes. I'd come back to work, finish my job at five o'clock, leave, and then go shoot more. I was doing that five days a week and my weekends were packed between um, editing videos, shooting videos, meeting with clients. I was working two jobs at once. And because Hawk Visuals for me was more creative and I enjoyed having my own schedule and freedom and I was making some good side money, I started to, I think, let my full-time job 
go by the wayside. I was not really as focused on work. And I think my boss knew that. And so he approached me and said, Matt, I know you have the side company and it seems like you're doing well, but I feel like it's going to start affecting your work more than it is now. And I 100% knew it. I should have kind of said something earlier, but I just let it be as, as it was. And that for me was that light switch of, okay, if, if I can make both of these work, something has to give. Or I separate one of these and pursue some career path to its full potential and make that my future. Immediately, I went towards Hawk Visuals. I thought that was my career path. Yes, I'm not using my architecture career or my degree anymore, but I was doing something that I was passionate about. So after talking to my boss, it was probably a month later, I said, okay, I understand that I have to give one of these up. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to give up this job and pursue Hawk Visuals. And I was super nervous going to that meeting because I thought he would yell at me and just not really... um, really know what to say to me, but he was very, very calm. And he said, honestly, Matt, I can see that coming. I wish you nothing but the best and good luck in your career. Um, you know, I talked to my fiance, my girlfriend at the time and my family about doing this. And they all are on the same page of Matt, if you're going to do it, you got to go for it now and pursue your passion. And that is what I'm doing now. So Hawk Visuals, here in Plymouth, where I grew up, which is such an amazing thing to have. We are a video production, digital strategy company. You know, we do photography wow, with drones and conventional. We do video production, some TV ads. We'll do social media management, website development, digital strategy. It, it really branched out a lot from just doing drone photography. Now we're a full-fledged media company. Um, I have one full-time employee, possibly two coming up soon, a couple contractors. And um, I'm just really living the dream, being an entrepreneur, having a flexible schedule, doing what I want and seeing the fruits of my really, really hard work, honestly, you know, starting to now become clear. um, And we're just getting started, just getting started. There's a lot to have um, there's a lot still to do with the company and, uh, I'm excited to continue to do that and, uh, pursue that in the future. So we'll talk more about Hawk visuals in future episodes, but now let me tell you about the podcast. So we set the stage for who I am. Now let's talk about the podcast. So along my career path and in life in general, I made a lot of mistakes, both at my older job, my former job and my current job here at Hawk visuals. I made a ton of mistakes because I made those mistakes, I felt like I've more, I've been more adapted and I I can quickly get over these issues and strive for my success more so than if I had just succeeded along the way, if that makes any sense. So these little hiccups and these things that I've learned and mistakes that I've made have really made me who I am in my career. And so I wanted to try to showcase to you guys that making mistakes in your business, in your personal life, if anything, are going to help you strive for success and elevate your career, elevate your life possibly quicker quicker than if you were just killing it and succeeding left and right all the time with no failures. So here we are now at the Take a Mulligan podcast. Now, to take a mulligan in golf terms, and I'm a big golfer, means to take a reshoot right? You shank the ball, goes in the bunker and uh, your buddies say, okay, it's fine. Just take a mulligan and reshoot it. 
the Take a Mulligan podcast for me is all about those redos in life, in business, entrepreneurship, personal life. What have you done that have been considered failures that you think have really elevated your life and your career in a positive way? And you can offer some advice to not only me, because really I'm looking to learn as much as I can from as many people as I can, but offer some advice to you guys. Maybe some of you out there have the same story as me or a similar story or some of the guests and clients that I have on, you know, I really want to offer some solid advice every episode to you guys through stories, through advice, through failures that you can take in your own personal life and realize that it's okay to fail. And if anything, failing is going to help you succeed. So Take a Mulligan podcast is all about those redos in life and how we can strive to get better and better and make less mistakes as we grow but not be afraid to fail. I know, you know, when I first started the company, I thought, you know, you have to be successful. You have to keep killing it and keep succeeding. But that just was not happening. And I'm not saying that we're successful yet. We still have a long way to go. But I look, looking back on it, those failures have dramatically increased my vision, my happiness, just everything about the company I felt like has been in a positive way through these failures. So now, going forward, the Tiger Mulligan podcast, um, you know, we'll have mostly guests on. There'll be clients, there'll be colleagues, there'll be friends, entrepreneurs, people in the fitness industry, and anybody that has a story where they've failed at something and they can succeed through stories, I want to have them on. I want to learn from them. I want you guys to learn from them. And uh, I just, I want to make a big net around my life and capture as many people as I can that I can learn from and that you guys can learn from as well. I love to educate and I'm hoping that every episode has a small nugget or maybe a big one to you of info you can take in your own personal life. I also mentioned that this is going to be a video podcast as well. So please do not forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Take a Mulligan Podcast, also on Facebook and Instagram. So that's what I got for you guys. Um, I really hope that you guys enjoy this podcast and listen in. We are always up for um, constructive comments and criticism. And uh, I really hope you guys can learn something from these experiences. I've already recorded three or four of these, so they'll be coming out very shortly here. But that brings me to the end of the premiere episode of, I'm going to say it again, the Take a Mulligan podcast. And my name is Matt Mulligan. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace out.